Lord has. And um, we have just a, 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 a quick announcement uh, for us. Uh, first of all, yesterday, boy, what a, what a busy day we had. It was wonderful. We had around 31, including some kids, 33 folks were here uh, singing some, some hymns and having lunch together. It was wonderful. And just thank you especially to Joanne, Dora, and Patty, who did uh, all, a lot of the work in the kitchen. They did a fantastic job. And then we also had 12 guys that were out supporting the um, food bank and uh, were golfing. And uh, so they were out uh, working hard and things like that, and we were sitting around singing and eating. I like our job better. <laughs> but it was a, a wonder. We will be doing that again and looking forward to that. So, amen. How many are glad to be in the, in the house of the Lord this morning? Hallelujah. How many are glad to be the house of the Lord this morning? Even more so. Let's stand together to our feet as we prepare for worship. Father, we just thank you so much that we could be your house this morning, your dwelling place. It, it amazes us to think about that, that you, the King of kings and Lord of lords, would come and dwell in our hearts, in our midst. And we know, Father, that that challenges us to cleanse ourselves, to lift ourselves up to you, whatever might be inhibiting the flow of your spirit today, our hearts, our minds, our spirit. Maybe we've been hurt this past, past week. Maybe we have gotten some bad news. Maybe we're not feeling well physically. Whatever it is, we want to set those things aside because we, we want you to take up residence as King of Kings and Lord of Lords in our hearts this morning. So help us to tune our attention to you. Father, we're going to praise you for what you do as we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's praise the Lord together. All of creation, all of the earth, make straight a highway, path for the Lord. Jesus is coming soon. Call back the sinner, wake up the saint. Let every nation shout of your fame. Jesus is coming soon. Like a bride waiting for her groom, we'll be a church ready for you. So come, Lord Jesus, come. Even so come, Lord Jesus, come. There will be justice, there will be new. Your name forever, you're faithful and true. Jesus is coming soon Like a bride waiting for her groom We'll be a church ready for you Every heart longing for our King We sing, even so come Lord Jesus, come, even so come, Lord 
Lord Jesus come so we God, we wait, you're coming soon. God, we wait, we wait for you. God, we wait, you're coming. ready for you every heart longing for our king we sing like a bride waiting for her groom we'll be a church we'll be ready for you every heart longing for our king we sing even so come Lord Jesus, come. Oh, even so, come. Lord Jesus, come. Even so, come. Lord Jesus, come. Oh, even so, come. Lord Jesus. I confess tomorrow because he lives all fear is gone because I Tomorrow 
because he lives all fear is gone because I know he holds the future and life is worth the living just because he lives and then one day I'll cross that Life's final war with pain, and then as death gives way to victory, I see the Savior is because he lives I can face tomorrow because he lives all fear is good
could only imagine I could only imagine When that day comes And I find myself Standing with the sun I could only imagine When all I will do is forever, forever worship you. I can only imagine, yeah. I can only imagine. Surrounded by your glory, what will my heart feel? Will I dance? For you, Jesus, or in all of you be still. Will I stand in your presence, or to my knees will I fall? Will I sing hallelujah? Will I be able to speak at all? I can only imagine. Yes, I can only I want you to just take a moment and just picture yourself in that moment standing before him and as you're standing before him what would you do would you stand there and just stare at him would you stand there and just be dumbfounded would you stand there in awe would you stand maybe even twirl and dance would you laugh is there anything that you would hold back from him in that moment? He knows everything. The truth is revealed. But he sees you as a finished work. Not all the stuff that you did that wasn't good. So Jesus, in this moment, we just picture ourselves standing before you. And what would we give? What would we hold back? Father God, I know even in this moment I struggle with some things that I just want to have control of. But just being honest, Lord, I'm not good at controlling those things. The Holy Spirit has a way better idea than I have. And the Father has it in the palm of his hand. And all I have to do is look at the palm of his hand and say, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. You hold it, God. And so Jesus looks down at you with loving eyes. And he says, Well done, my faithful servant. You may think that you're never going to be good enough to hear those words. But just remember his blood. Because in that moment, if you say that you can never attain that, then you don't believe his blood was that powerful. But it was. It washed you clean, white as snow. And that's what he sees when you stand before him. And he's so proud of you. He's even proud of you right now. Surrounded by your glory.
place. I think he's he's doing something special. Just reach up to him right now. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. The throne of my heart. Blessed be your name. Glory to your name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Lord. Worthy, 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 worthy. Hallelujah. 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 Hallelujah, Lord. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Indescribable presence is. Jesus, 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 Jesus. Jesus, 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 Jesus. We want to hear your voice. Hallelujah. Just rest in him for a moment. Just a moment longer. Just a moment longer. Be still and know. Yes, Be yes, still and know. yes, yes. In his presence. In his presence. In your presence. In your presence. In this moment, he has something that's just for you. He wants to whisper that into your ear. Something that's just for you. Yes, he does. Let's just take a moment and listen.
Hallelujah. All praise him for that. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah. When you think of a face, you think of your spouse's face, a friend's face, a child's face, someone's face that you know. That face describes everything they are. The essence of who they are comes through that face. Jesus said the, the eyes are the window, the soul, etc. And so when we think about the show me your face, God, we're, we're in essence saying, show us, God, every part of who you are. So show us your glory. Show us your cleansing power. Show us your, your joy. Show us the person of who you are. And how many know that when we look at that face, we see it in the word. When we look at that face, we receive everything we need, don't we? Cleansing from sin, healing for our bodies, whatever it might be. It's all in the face of Jesus. And we behold that. And that's when we can bow down in his presence and just worship him. Father, we just thank you so much. We thank you so much for worshiping you, for being able to worship you in spirit and in truth, for, for hearing from you through a beautiful song, through other worship. And the, and the joy that we know that we could just be in your presence just to worship you, to bow down, to humbly be in your presence, and just behold everything that you are in our lives. To be like Mary of old, just break open our ointment bottle, just pour it out on your feet, just worship you for who you are, and allow you to speak to our spirits. I pray right now that everyone in this room will begin to see and receive what you have for them, whether it's a healing in their body, whether it's a healing in their spirit, their heart. Maybe there's resentment or bitterness or heartache of some type. Maybe there's some anger, some fear. Maybe there's a lack of faith. Whatever they're going through in their lives, I believe the face of Jesus, the face of God is right there. All we need to do is just turn and look. Just turn and look and bow down in his presence. We thank you for that. We know you're going to touch and heal and deliver and bring us to the next level. We thank you for it, Father. We're going to praise you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Just praise him one last time. Do you do that? Give him a hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Father God. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Blessed be your name. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Isn't it wonderful to just be able to be in his presence? Hallelujah. You may be seated. Not have to go through any rigmarole or any ritual or any format. We've said it before. This, this room is, it's a sanctuary to be sure, but it's a family room. This is where the family gathers and we look at his faiths together. So, hallelujah. Ushers, if you'll come and we will prepare to meet the need of the hour. Hallelujah. You can come on down. And last week we talked about the fact of how faithful you all were and are, and we praise the Lord for that. And bear in mind the business meeting coming up in July. We praise him for what he's doing. He had to move it back because I'm gaining weight. No. (laughs) Father, we thank you so much that we can continue worshiping through the giving of tithes and offerings. That's what this is. Our worship doesn't stop when we lower our hands and the music stops. The worship continues as we give, as we share, as we preach the word, as we study together. It's all worship. So we thank you. We ask you to bless both gift and giver in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen and amen. God bless you as you give. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Steve. Praise his name.
We are doing something a little different this morning. I've asked the, the uh, young people to stay in because I'm going to be sharing some things that are pertinent uh, to their lives, more so even than our lives. But we are uh, in Philippians still. We, are, we started Philippians uh, several weeks ago. We will probably be in it until Jesus comes back. How's that? Amen. <laughs> Right, right when we get to the fourth chapter, verse 23, Jesus is going to come back. So that's what I'm planning. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Um, Philippians, the first chapter, we are in verse 9. Uh, we've shared some thoughts uh, of the first uh, eight verses. We talked about uh, Paul telling us that as fellow believers, the Philippians have all the grace all the mercy, all the peace that they need for every level of their journey, whether you are, whether you're an overseer, whether you're an elder, whether you're just a servant, whether you are a bond slave, like he called himself, doesn't matter. The supply never runs out. Hallelujah. There's uh, never do we get to a place of maturity where we don't need any of those three. Every one of us in this room, I don't care who you are, every one of us needs that grace, that mercy, and that peace for all of us. We are, we are one body, and we need Jesus the entire time. I heard, a, I heard an expression just a little while ago that as, uh, we are strangers as neighbors, but now one in the blood. And that's so true. We are strangers as neighbors. We didn't know each other before Jesus saved us and brought us to this place, but now we're one in the blood. And we're all together in this thing. And we talked about the fact that through their giving, the Philippians joined with Paul's ministry. Uh, when, you, when you give, and we mentioned that the essence of this book is about giving. It's about money. When you give, then you join yourself with that ministry. So they were with Paul on Mars Hill. Uh, they were with him when he stood before Festus and Agrippa. They were with him in prison. They were with him as he taught in the school of Tyrannus in, uh, in, in Ephesus. He was with them in the, his fruit, in his grace, in his love. He said, we're all in this thing together because everything belongs to Jesus, right? Nothing belongs to us. Everything belongs to Jesus. Now, he breaks into this next little passage here. We talked about verse 8 and how much he loved them and his affection for them. And verse 9 through 11, let's just read this. We'll be in here probably for the next couple of weeks. Uh, I believe next, father is, next Sunday is Father's Day. Is that right? Okay. Eh, who cares? No. <laughs> Mother's Day is the big day, right? No, we love our fathers, and we'll probably have a special word for them as well. Ninth verse of Philippians, the first chapter. And this I pray, that your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment or judgment. Oh, that is so important. We're, we're, I'll just warn you ahead of time. We're just going to get stuck on verse 9 today. That's it, just verse 9. That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense till the day of Christ, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus, to the glory and praise of God. So he actually lists several things there. He says that we are to be abounding in love, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But we're also be, supposed to be abounding uh, in, um, we're also, uh, I'm sorry, approving things that are excellent, abounding in love, approving things that are excellent, we are to be sincere without offense, and we are to be filled with the fruits of righteousness. We'll talk about those in the weeks ahead. But the first one is abounding in love. Now, I, I, I'm going to apologize twice, okay? So here's your first apology. Uh, I'm going to show a video in a little bit, and it, it may offend some of you, all right? So I'm, I'm apologizing now. Before I show the video, I will apologize again. So that's two apologies, okay? 
sometimes I think we need to be a little offended and shook up, don't we? And so you're going to see what's happening out there, and it has a direct bearing on all of us in here. But I want you to understand that the entire thing is part of love. What we need for the world right now is not just regular love, but we need abounding love uh, for the world. And that's the word that Paul uses here, periseo, abound. It means to superabound, in both in quantity and quality. It means to be in excess, to be superfluous. It means to overflow in abundance. And that's the kind of love we have to have for each other and for the world. Because, you see, everything in the kingdom of God starts with love. That's the root and the foundation of everything. Uh, It's all about love. that's why Paul says that your love would abound more and more. We, we, we know that there are really only two absolute attributes that are spoken of God in Scripture. That is, God is light and God is love. Uh, the rest are characteristics of who he is, but he is light itself. That's why he said, let there be light, and it was just an essence of himself. And love, God is love. That is who he is through and through. He is love. And so we understand that's what the kingdom, kingdom is about. However... Paul throws in two words here in verse 9, and he says that it has to be an accountable love, doesn't it? It has to be filled with knowledge and judgment, knowledge and discernment. Uh, It is not an ignorant or blind kind of love, right? And he gives those two characteristics. So this morning, we're going to delve into love, knowledge, and judgment, or love, knowledge, and discernment. And let's see how this all works together in our love for one another and also for uh, love for the world. This is Pride Month, right? We're, we're, it's been shoved down our throats all the way into our gullet and down to our toes. This is Pride Month. And we understand as believers, when we know, we know what true love is, And we understand that what the world says is love is really just unbridled passion. That's all it is. It's just a feeling. It's just an emotion. What what the world says is love is illicit emotion. It's hypersensuality. It's animal urges. That's all it is. Homosexuality is pure emotion. It is just unrestrained passion. It's rebellion. But it has nothing to do with love. I, I always love it when, a, uh, when I've had this discussion with, with homosexuals in the past, and they'll say, well, I was just born this way. And my response is always the same thing. Well, so was I. I was born a heterosexual. Okay, if we want to go down that path, I was born that way. Does that mean I can have sex with whomever, whenever I want? No. Uh, sorry, honey. You know that brunette last week? Hey, I was born that way. Boy, would that result in a black eye or or three. More than two black eyes. Don't know if it's possible, but it would be more than two. If my wife dies tomorrow because I was born a heterosexual, God forbid my wife dies tomorrow, does that mean I could be out at the bars on Friday night picking up women? No. Don't I have to control myself? Don't I have to discipline myself? That excuse of, I was just born. Listen, folks, we are all born some way. We are born with something. We are born in sin and shaped in iniquity. In sin, David said, did my mother conceive me. We are all born in some twisted way. 
All of us. We're, we're born in some ugly way. But I cannot allow your twisted life to dictate truth in my life. I, 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 can't, I can't let that happen. Well, my grandpa was an alcoholic, and my dad was an alcoholic, and all my uncles are alcoholic, so I guess I'm going to be an alcoholic. Really? Do you have to be? Can't you change that? Of course you can change that. Well, I, ha- I, I have an I have Irish temper. <laughs> well, I'm a hot-headed Italian. Or I'm a stubborn German. Well, stop it. You don't have to be that way. If you want to be that way, well, I was just born that way. Well, you don't have to live that way. See, that's why, that's why Paul adds these two important things. In knowledge and in judgment. Love is not a slippery, gooey, gushy thing. It is a, we know it as agape love, God's love, an act of the will, an act of determination to do things the way God tells us to do them. Uh, the, the expression that is back again this month, which is just the dumbest expression ever, love is love. Oh. Oh, love is love. It, see, without knowledge and proper judgment, we say stupid things. Right? If, if, you don't, if you don't have knowledge about something, you can end up saying dumb things. You can sound stupid. And, and that's such a stupid thing to say. So if love is love, then that means my love for Adolf Hitler is true love. Is that correct? No, of course not. My sexual love for a nine-year-old girl is true love, right? Love is love. No. And I do not have any love for any nine-year-old girls. Just an example. Love is not love. Love is passion, it's rebellion, it's reckless use of your body, it's all sorts of things in the world. But true love is defined by truth. The word, which is our knowledge, which is our judgment, defines truth. The flesh redefines truth to what we want. That's the way it always is. The word defines truth in our lives. We either accept it or reject it. The word defines truth. We, our flesh, redefines truth into our own desires. And that's what we see in the world. That's why the relationship between love, knowledge, and judgment is so important. It's so important. We have to have that whole thing all together so that I can know how to properly love, how to properly live my life, how to properly follow truth. Now, truth is really at the essence of this whole thing, and I I, want to delve into this a little bit more, and we're sort of going to go back to school here, if you don't mind, uh, in order to delve into this to get the full understanding of what truth is. And there is, in in philosophy, there are actually two ways that that they try to define truth. And in the video that I show you, you're going to see these two ways, and it's, it's pretty graphic how you'll see. You'll see a tribe in Africa and how they react to American society. You will see that they are one side of truth, and, and we're on the other side. But there are two, two types of truth, they say. There is correspondence truth, or the correspondence theory of truth, and the coherence theory. Correspondence, like you would write a letter, and coherence, something that gels together, okay, combines into something. The, coher- the, the correspondence theory of truth, follow with me. I, I, I'm getting a little detailed here, but I think it'll help you understand what's happening in the world right now. The correspondence theory of truth that says that whatever, that truth is whatever corresponds to reality. Any idea which corresponds with reality 
is true. Now, you say, duh. That's very simple to understand. Any truth that corresponds to reality is truth. The coherence theory, on the other hand, and listen to this, says that a belief is true when we are able to incorporate it into an orderly and logical manner into a larger and more complex system of beliefs. First of all, notice how simple the first one was. (laughs) If you see it in the world, it's true. If it works, it's true. Course, the coherence theory says that you incorporate all sorts of different truths, you bring them together into one, one jumbled mess of thought, and in there somewhere is truth that is real. So it's cohering together. You say, well, okay, let, 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 let me give you a simple example, a simple, example, a simple definition, uh, and, and you can see how it works even better. So I may say, for instance, uh, in, in uh, correspondence truth, I may say the air we breathe is made up of nitrogen, hydrogen, and oxygen. That's a, that's, that's a correspondent truth. We know that's true. It could be tested. We test the air. Scientists can tell us there's nitrogen, hydrogen, and oxygen in the air. Coherent truth says... No, we breathe xenon gas. And you would say, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. How, how can you say we breathe xenon gas? I, I don't understand how you can say that. Well, I have a xenon gas Facebook page that has 12,000 people on it. 3,000 are scientists and 1,000 are experts. And they all say that we breathe xenon gas. So my group of coherent people says we breathe xenon. When we let them out of their straitjackets, they write that on their Facebook page. So they take a large system of beliefs, their love for xenon gas, and they merge it into a thought, and that becomes reality. That, my friend, is where the world is right now. We look, Paul even said it in Romans 1, we look at the visible world and we see God. What did they do? They exchanged the image of God for a false image. They see it, they understand it, we know it, it's there. Now you may say, Pastor, that example, I, I get the example, but that is so ridiculous and stupid. I mean, just, there's just no way that anyone would be that dumb as to see something so clear and real and not even believe it. All right, I'm going to show you the video now, so guys, you can get it ready. And again, I'm going to apologize. This is a second apology, right? It contains two words... I'm looking around. We are all adults here. Uh, Hannah just went to the nursery. That's good. She's 17. We're all adults here. We're not afraid of scientific words, are we? (laughs) We all know scientific words. So please don't be offended. If you are offended, just address your letter to Frank Moorhead, the president of the board. (laughs) I I can't read. (laughs) But... Watch this video, and then we'll go over it step by step, and watch it and listen very carefully. This is true. This is real. What is a woman? Can you tell me that? (laughs) Well, you're at the Women's March. You must have some idea. Please, if one person could tell me what a woman is. You are not here for women. We ask you to leave. What is that? I'm a husband. I'm a father of four. I host a talk show. I give speeches. I write books. 
I like to make sense of things. A woman is not anything in particular. There is not one particular thing. It could be many things to many people. Some women have penises, right? Some men have vaginas. I like scented candles. I've watched Sex and the City. Yeah. How do I know if, if I'm a woman? That's a great question. Can a man become a woman? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not a woman, so I I can't really answer that. Women only know what women are. Are you a uh, cat? No. Can you tell me what a cat is? You want to tell us what a woman is? I'm a biological woman that medically transitioned to appear like a male. I will never be a man. And so they go on the internet and they're told that all their problems will be solved if they become a man. So you worry that there, there could be a sort of social contagion element of this? A teeny tiny bit, maybe. It got me at 42. Your child doesn't have a chance. And you're affirming it with hormones that have never been used in this way. Puberty blockers, which are completely reversible. Completely reversible. One of the drugs used is Lupron, right? Which mm -hmm. has actually been used to chemically castrate sex offenders. You know what? I'm not sure that we should continue with this interview. You don't want to talk about the drugs that you give to kids? or How can they be removing the healthy breasts of 15-year-old girls? There are masculine girls. There are feminine boys. What are we going to do about that? Carve them up? How can this whole thing be happening, Matt? I wanted us to have a safe place to be able to talk about this. Part of me wants to ask why you care so much. I, I care about the truth. I care about children. I care about the women who are having their opportunities stolen from them. Is it transphobic to tell the truth? The interview's over. Let's turn off the cameras. Excuse me. Oh, fair I just wanted to know what is a woman. And you're not going to find out. Based on what I'm saying, would you ever want to move to America? <laughs> they say no. Never. <laughs> Welcome to America 2022. Isn't that amazing? You had a surgeon, you had two psychologists, a therapist, and a U.S. senator refusing to tell you what a woman is. I'll tell you one thing. Uh, please, if I get in an accident and you rush me to emergency, do not allow that surgeon to work on me. Because if they don't know the difference between a man and a woman, I'm going to be in big trouble. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. That's the difference between, and you saw the, you saw the African tribe? That's correspondence, the, uh, the theory of thought. They see reality, and that's what it is. Come to America, no, it's, it's coherent thought now. It's like, whatever, you can't, you, I, I'm, I don't know what a woman is. I, I, yeah, you can't define a woman. You can't define a woman. So you say, all right, now, let, let's, let's, let's wrap this thought up and understand what we're supposed to do. How, how, do, we, how do we respond then to that? Because whether you think that's happening or not in the world, it is happening in the world, and it's happening more and more uh, in, in the world. So how do, we, how do we respond to this? So we've got to go all the way back to the beginning to abounding love. There's only one way to address these individuals, and that's the love of Jesus. Only, only one way. You're, you're not going to convince a surgeon that has had a sex change that what they did is right or wrong by using logic and words. You can't do it. It can only be the love of Jesus that can change that heart. So first, we have to understand who they are. First of all, we have to understand that they are lost. 
Jesus looked at them and said, They are like sheep without a shepherd. They are harassed by the enemy. They have sold themselves to a system and are totally deluded in that system. Ephesians, the second chapter, Paul says it this way. We know it very well, that we were once dead in trespasses and sins. We walked according to the course of this world. We walked according to the prince of the power of the air. We were children of disobedience. We conducted ourselves in the lust of the flesh. We fulfilled the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and we are children of wrath. We, are, we were without God and without hope. Oh my. 1 Corinthians 6, Paul lists them. Fornicators, idolaters, adulterers, homosexuals, sodomites, thieves, covetous, drunkards, revilers, extortioners. And he doesn't stop there and he adds this line, and such were some of you. But you were washed. And you were sanctified, and you were justified in the name of the Lord Jesus by the Spirit of God. So we have to understand, first of all, we're not fighting people, are we? We're fighting spiritual battles, are we not? We're not, we're not fighting individuals that are promoting a certain thing here and there. We're fighting individuals that are bound by the prince of darkness, and the only solution is the love of Jesus Christ penetrating that heart and bringing them to their knees and bringing them out of the darkness into the glorious light of the gospel. That's the only way. It's the only way. But the tough part about that is, you ready? You have to befriend them first. You can't hit them with picket signs. You can't vote them out per se. You could try. You have to love them with the love of Jesus and you have to be with them. You have to invite them over for dinner. You have to go out to coffee with them. You have to help them and love them. I know, I know, this is not the amen part. It's hard. It's hard. But if they're going to get the truth, where are they going to get it from? They're going to get it from us because we have the truth. And we will have to put up with their incoherence while we share correspondent truth with them and let them know. And we'll get to that in a minute. And that's the second part is we have to understand what they have done. You see, they have sold themselves to a system of thought, coherence, and they are now dwelling in it. Paul tells us in Romans, the first chapter, and here's a sermon for you to study for yourself and go preach somewhere. In verses 23, 25, and 26 of Romans, Paul says, we exchanged the glory of God, it's the first thing we did for natural stuff. Then he says, we exchanged the truth. So we exchanged God, then we exchanged the truth, and then it ends up, we exchanged the natural use of our bodies. See how it goes? We get our eyes off God, then we change the truth, then we change our bodies. Folks, they did it in the Garden of Eden, we did it in Babel, we did it in Noah's day, we did it in Babylon, we did it in Rome, and we're doing it here. And it's just going to happen as long as Satan holds sway in this present realm. I love the way Augustine put it in his confessions. It's just so beautiful. He said before he was saved, behold, behold, with what companions I walked the streets of Babylon I rolled in its mire and I lolled about on it as on a bed of spices and precious ointments. And drawing me more closely to the very center of that sinful city, my invisible enemy trod me down and seduced me, for I was easy to seduce. That's the world. That's where they're at. And that's that's where their mind is. And that leads us to the third point, and this brings us all the way back to the beginning, and that is we must love them. 
We have to love them with a love that is abounding more and more and more. It used to take a little bit of love uh, to love that drunk. It used to take some love to love that guy over there. Now we're looking at a class of individuals. It's going to take a lot of love to love them. And folks, I'm speaking to you from my own heart. It's going to take a lot of love to love some of these folks. A lot of love. But we have to understand how that love works. Number one, that love is unconditional, isn't it? Unconditional love. Just like Jesus loved us when we were in sin. Just like he loved Augustine rolling about in the mire. Just like he loves the worst sinner. We love them with the same love that Jesus loved us. It is undeserved love. It is unmerited love. It is uncalled for love. We should not love them, but we will. We do not know how, but we'll find out through the power of the Spirit. When they call us names, we'll still love them. When they cuss us out, we'll still love them. When they hurl stones at us, we'll still love them. When they tell us how old fashion we are, we'll still love them. We will love them until our dying breath because we receive that love from God and now we have to give that love out. Simple as that. But, but, and here's where Paul steps in. Don't forget, right? Judgment and knowledge. He steps in and says, but we've got to love them with the truth. The truth. How many know that that old saying, truth hurts? (laughs) Truth hurts. But how many are glad that somebody told you the truth and it hurt you? Truth hurts. For us in the body of Christ, Paul tells us to each other, we need to speak the truth in love. And he said, when we speak the truth in love, which is sometimes very challenging, you know what happens, Ephesians 4? We grow up into all things. When, When someone speaks the truth to you, you start to grow up. And we need to grow up. But what about the world? I believe we need to speak with boldness and tenacity, but we need to speak with grace. Our speech needs to be seasoned with salt. Be ready to give an answer to anyone asks of of you of the hope that is within you, Peter says, with meekness and with fear. We need to be able to say to them, "I, I I know where you're at. I know you can't define a cat. I know you can't define a woman. I know you can't define a man. I understand all that. But can I show you a better way? Can I tell you what I used to be like? Can I tell you what Jesus did for me? Can I tell you how much he loves you? Can I tell you how much I love you? And how much I just want to see so many better things happen in your life. It's loving with the truth. It's letting them understand that love brings knowledge and judgment. We judge in love. We love with knowledge. So when we speak with compassion, we speak the love and the mercy and the grace of God, but we speak it with love and compassion and mercy and truth. You say, well, how how does that, how does that look in the real world? I'll tell you right now, I'll give you a couple of good examples how that works in the real world. It just happened, what, just this past week, five Tampa Bay devil rays, right? You hear that story? Five baseball players for Tampa Bay said, no, we're not going to wear the pride emblem on our shirt. Do you know how brave you have to be to do that? Do you know that when you do that, the entire weight of CNN and Fox News is going to come down on you? The New York Times is going to come down on you for making that stand. And they very clearly said, we love the homosexual community. We, 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 we hope the best for them, but it is not us, so we cannot wear that. 
How, how about, how about uh, was it uh, um, Jonathan, I can't remember his last name, the NBA player that refused to kneel? Talk about, talk about sticking out like a th- or Thor Sun, especially when you're seven feet tall and you're the only one in the stadium not kneeling. And when asked, he said, because I serve Jesus Christ, he's my Lord and Savior, and I still honor the flag. It's my decision. I can do what I want with my life. The whole weight of the NBA and every media outlet in the entire world came crashing down on that one man. Talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You say, well, what's it going to take then? How does this change happen? Listen, this is how it happens. When we have five devil rays, when we have 12 devil rays, when we have 15 Yankees, when we have 24 uh, Dallas Cowboys, when we start having NBA players, when we start having corporate leaders, when we start having school boards, when we start having people that will stand up and say, I love the world, I love everything about you, but it's not me and I will not submit to it, that's the truth. Now, let me tell you something, and I'll close with this. Let me tell you, it is extremely easy for me to say this right now, standing in this pulpit. And for most of us with gray hair, it's really easy because we're pretty much done. Right? Let's be honest. But our young people are facing this every day. They're going to go into workplaces where they're not going to be allowed to use pronouns, right? They're not going to be allowed to use he and she. Not allowed to do that anymore. You could face the wrath of the HR department if you do that once too often. We have teachers that have to deal with transgender children now. How to talk with them, what bathroom to send them to. Very difficult situation. We have in the corporate world, we have government officials, and it's very difficult in those settings. When you stand up and say what I'm saying now, like I say, it's great here, hallelujah, amen. But out there, it could cost you your job, it could cost you your reputation now, it could cost you everything. But we either stand for the truth or we fall with the lie. We either stand with the truth and let God speak it in love or we fall. And you and I both know Jesus said, blessed is he who is not offended in me. I always crack up at that. Wait wait a minute, wait a minute. You just, you just raised a person from the dead. You healed a leper. You raised a little dead girl. You, you cleansed that person there. You healed that person there. You healed everyone who came to you. How could, how could that be offensive? You know what? Anytime you do something in Jesus' name, for most people, it's going to be offensive. So get ready. So no matter how hard you try, you're going to be offended and offend people. But I believe that we're coming to the days now where God is bringing his body to a place where we are going to begin to have to stand up for truth. Not in an arrogant way, not in a self-righteous way, because we all know there's no righteousness inside of us. That we were, just as I said, and such were some of us. We were there. But we've got to stand up in love and mercy and grace and truth and speak the abounding love of Jesus in knowledge and in discernment and in judgment. Because deep inside, I believe every one of the people in that video, deep inside, they want to hear Jesus, don't they? They know they're wrong and they want to hear Jesus.
So I want to do something a little different as we close. Pastor Steve, you can come. But I want to to just take a few moments, and I want us to pray together over various groups that are facing these things. And I want to start with the young people. And I would like all the young people, if you would just stand together, uh, wherever you're at, just stand together. We're not going to make you do anything weird. Just stand there. And and I want us, if you're around these guys, could you just go and, and lay your hand on some of these? Just just lay your hand on them because they're facing things now that uh, we're done with. They're just beginning the, the battle. And then we're going to pray for a couple other groups as well. But I'd like to start with them. Father, we just thank you right now that we have the truth. And we don't say that in an arrogant way because we didn't create the truth. We didn't make the truth. You, you did the truth. You are truth. When Pilate asked that question, what is truth? He was standing right in front of truth itself. So we know the truth. The truth is Jesus. And I lift up our young people right now. In the name of Jesus, I just ask for Holy Spirit boldness right now. That they would not be arrogant. That they would not be crazy. They would not be wild about it. But they, their bodies, their minds, their spirit would exude a depth of love that is going to shock the world around them. It's going to draw them to the cross of Calvary. It's going to help the world to see that the answer is Jesus. It's not a thing. It's not a sexuality. It's not an identity. It is Jesus. We thank you for that, Father, as you lead them in the days ahead. Because this is their world, and they're going to be the ones that take it over. And we thank you in Jesus' name. Now, stay standing. But I know, I know we have teachers. I know Gruberts uh, back there. Teachers, I'd like you to stand. Uh, uh, Gina my wife, aides in the schools, anybody working in the schools, I'd like you to stand. I'd like you to gather around some of those as well. In the back, my wife down here. Let's pray for the schools as well. How important. How important. Father, I lift up our teachers right now, our administrators, our school officials, our board members, our school boards right now. Father, they need to begin to stand up in truth. And they realize that as they stand up, if they say the wrong thing at the wrong time, it could mean their job. So we ask that you would give them wisdom on how to speak the love and the truth of Jesus to this last generation, that you would help them to speak words of wisdom and encouragement and strength, words that will cleanse, words that will heal, that they will not just be teachers of a subject, they will be teachers of the Holy Spirit. They will be instructors that will lead and guide into righteousness for these young people that are around them, young people that are so confused, so bewildered. They've seen it on Facebook. They've seen it on YouTube. They don't know which direction to go. Help them to speak a word in season, Father God, to change lives and to change hearts where they're at. I thank you, Father, for doing that in Jesus' name. Now I'd like the rest of us just to stand because all of us are sent to the mission field. All of us are going out. All of us meet people every day. Father, I just lift up the rest of this body to you right now that as we go from this place, as we go into your world, that we will see people for who they are and your Holy Spirit will lead us and guide us into all truth. Your Holy Spirit will help us to say the words that need to be said. Your Holy Spirit will help us to pull down strongholds of the enemy, help us to destroy things that have been built up by the demonic forces of this world. We will speak to principalities and powers and command them to be pulled down in Jesus' name. We will speak to the darkness that surrounds this country and this world 
world and we will command the light of the gospel to go forth. We will not hide our light under a bushel. We will let it shine no matter what it means, no matter what the outcome. We will let it shine in this last generation because we want to see hearts saved. We want to see hearts changed. We want to see lives brought back together, brought back into life. And Father, it's your abounding love that's going to do it more and more in each of our lives. Father, I lift up the church right now. I pray that you'll fill pulpits with men and women that will speak your word with boldness, speak your word with authority. We pray for the Lutheran church, the Methodist church. We pray for the, for the Presbyterian church. We pray for the spirit-filled churches. We pray that we'll get our eyes off of programs and things and all that kind of stuff and get our eyes back on Jesus and listen to his voice and hear his word. Father, we pray for the Catholic church right now, that you would awaken that sleeping giant and that priests would begin to get saved and filled with the Spirit, that priests would begin to call on your name and speak truth again, not a social gospel, not a social lie, but they'll begin to speak the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ and hearts will be changed. We thank you, Father, for bringing your word of love and encouragement to a lost world. And we're going to promise to praise you as your word goes forth in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Amen. I hope, I hope you weren't offended this morning. But I believe we need to see what's happening out there, folks. And they need us desperately, don't they? They need us. And we've got the answer in Jesus. First and last. Hallelujah. Praise the name. God bless us as we go from this place. Send us forth as your ambassadors to bring your word, to bring your love, to bring your life to a lost and dying world. We're plucking them as brands from the burning in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. God bless you as you go. Go praising him.